0: Hi, dear listener, Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and KeyForge Public Radio. And last year, I took my love of podcasts full time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. How many cards could a disc demon discard if a disc demon could discard?s Let's get sweaty. <laughs> Welcome to Keyforge Public Radio with your host, Zach Armstrong. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Keyforge Public Radio. My name is Zach Armstrong, and I'm going to be your humble guide into the pile of refuse that is Keyforge's discard pile. It's always there, it's usually always growing, and then sometimes it just disappears. So what we're going to be talking about today here on Keyforge Public Radio, where we help you become a better Keyforge player, is the discard pile and all of the factors that it affects, all the factors that it holds in it, it interacts with in the game. It's a giant source of growing information for both your own deck and your opponent's deck. There's a number of different mechanics and kinds of card effects we've seen that we need to consider when we're thinking about our discard pile and how we're interacting with it, especially when we have cards that give us that choice. We need to talk about when we want that discard pile to flip and exactly what kind of influence we have over when that discard pile flips and turn it back into your deck when you want to draw. And lastly, we're going to be doing a bit of a preview of some of the dynamics around the haunted mechanic in Grim Reminders. As a reminder, this next set that's coming out, you are haunted if you have 10 or more cards in your discard pile. That goes for your opponent, too. It's simply a binary on-off thing. So we're going to be talking about all these things related to the discard pile it's a bit innocuous it's it's been a um, you know a place in most card games that are out there uh but really it is one of the most important sources of information that you have again this is KeyForge public radio and hey if you're not subscribed go ahead and hit that follow button on whatever podcast platform you're currently on because guess what that's going to help you hear these things as soon as they drop every single Wednesday okay So, like I talked about at first, the Discards Pile is a critically important source of game information. Now, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to Episode 7, Handcrafting, Mastering a Core Keyforge System, because this is really the sequel to that episode. So because what I'm talking about when I say that the discard pile is a critically important place you gain information is that as you play your cards, you'll be able to count the houses in your hand, the houses in play, and the houses that are in your discard pile to calculate exactly what your house spread is in your deck. And if you don't know why that's important, guess what you probably didn't listen to episode seven about Handcrafting, or you're maybe you did, and you're just very smart already, and you're here because you like the sound of my voice, which is, you know, neither here nor there. You're probably better at keyforge than me, but. You want to know exactly what's left in your deck so that you can intelligently, strategically select what your house is for the turn, not only based on how you can affect the board state, how you can affect your game plan by what's in your hand, but by also manipulating as much as possible the math about what you're going to be drawing up at the end of the turn and how much that affects how many cards you'll be playing on future turns. As a quick overview, if you have... Uh, let's say four of one house and two of another. If you pick the two card house, especially if that two card house, you're able to be effective with it. Maybe you have some things out on the board already, uh, and those two cards are going to have some great and timely effects. If you play those two cards, you're taking a smaller two card turn for a chance at taking a five or six card turn with that other ha- with that other house in your hand, because you'll be drawing up those two cards at the end of the turn. And if either of those two cards or both of them match that house that already had four cards in hand, you're going to be sitting real pretty. You just got a little bit lucky and you planned on it. And now you're going to be playing five and six card turns going forward if your luck holds and you've set yourself up for that. And one of the greatest ways to make sure you know exactly what's going on with your house count is counting what's in your discard pile. It's a critically important place to gather information for your own handcrafting. Now here's the thing, discard piles are public information at all times. So this applies over on the opponent's side of the board as well, as in you want to be looking at their discard pile from time to time and you're not gonna be able to see what's in their hand, right? But you can see what's in play, you can see what's in the discard pile and you can do some math on what number of what houses are left between their deck and their hand one place that this could be helpful let's use a winds of exchange example uh and many of you will be familiar with the common brabnar card from winds of exchange called rant and rive it comes with an amber pip and it says play if your opponent has eight amber or more uh they lose half they lose half of their amber so Really, this is a great card to keep somebody off of a key and if you want to burst and your opponent has Brobnar and this is sealed so you haven't seen it, so you haven't seen their full list, uh, and you want to go high but you if you go to 10, you know if you go to 10, you're still going to get punished and not be able to forge a key if they hit you with Rant and Rive, But if you're able to count all of their Brobnar cards and you find 12, right? Or 11, and you want to take that chance, but you find enough to know where nearly all or all of their Brabnar cards are. If you spot all 12, then you know they don't have Rant and Rive, or they know even if they did have it, they played it earlier. So they know you know they have no more Rant and Rives left. Now that's just one use case, and you're going to want to keep in mind, as you're looking at your opponent's discard, they're really... Really, dear listener, I'm basically I just want you to be looking at your opponent's discard if you're needing to be strategically minded, of course, if you're in a serious practice match or you're you're in a competitive match. You need to be looking in your opponent's discard so you can stay on top of what they've played and what the shape of their deck might be looking like. There's not really just a small list of high impact things I specifically want you to look for. Really going in and looking in there will help you find information or remind you of things that will help you that will help you realize what you have and haven't seen. So for instance, if somebody has played a whole bunch of action cards and artifacts and upgrades from house, let's say Starlines, Swing of Exchange, and you've seen nine of those cards, but none of them have been creatures, you know that the last three Starlines cards that you have not seen are creatures. And then that, you know, not a lot of Starlines creatures have play effects that are going to keep you off of a key so you know the amber control in that house is gone so really you want to be piecing together as much as you can of their deck with this publicly available information and i think even in archon when you look at an archon list it is often a good idea to go ahead and ask to flip through the discard pile just to remind yourself of things now if you're being absolutely brilliant and remembering uh uh, their entire archon list which you can still look at at any time if you're remembering that and you feel really confident maybe you don't need to do this but i like to do it just to jog my memory about what they've got going on about what they've got going on because even if they don't have tricks for the discard pile like some decks do you do need to know what's going on there and keep everything top of mind now I am emphasizing, you know, go look through this. And now sometimes you'll say, but Zach, I'm in a match and it really doesn't matter. This deck, their deck is just not doing anything with the discard pile. I know what houses they have. And here's the thing. In that situation, you're you're totally right. If they're not doing anything with the discard pile, then you can pretty much not worry about it, right? If you're looking at their Archon list, you have a general sense of what their deck is trying to do. However, I'm going to tell a specific story from round one at the Philadelphia Vault Tour. I was against fellow Strategic Keyforge podcaster, Second Act, who publishes the Weekend Key Warriors podcast with Arlie. They have some lovely discussions over there, so go check out the Weekend Key Warriors podcast. And something something Second Act had in his deck that I recognized is he, has, he had Keyfrog, Savage Clash, Resurgence, and... Gloriana's attendant so i'll go if you might be picking up uh, what i'm putting down with that combo but let me explain it just so you can be aware so first off the the is key frog key frog is a two power beast with destroyed forge a key at current cost so it's a creature he can play and if he can blow it up on his same turn he can forge a key without any additional costs except trying to pull off the combo no additional amber costs though very powerful He also has Savage Clash, which says destroy uh, destroy all creatures except the most powerful enemy creature and the least powerful friendly creature. So as long as Key Frog is not the least powerful friendly creature, it can be killed with Savage Clash and gloriana's attendant is a one power mutant and so if this one power mutant creature is out on the board along with key frog when john plays savage clash he can blow up the key frog and forge a key at current cost and the critical discard piece he has here is the resurgence it says play return a creature from your discard pile to your hand if that creature is a mutant return another creature from your discard pile to your hand So here's the thing. If Gloriana's Attendant, which is a mutant, and Key Frog, which is a regular creature, are in his discard pile, and he has Resurgence and Savage Clash in his hand, so he just needs to get those two creatures into the discard pile, he can play Resurgence, pull back both the Gloriana's Attendant and the Key Frog, and I believe at least one of them had some Amber enhancements, then he can play them both onto his board, play Savage Clash, and forge a key. And so, early in the game john got those cards into those two creatures into his discard pile and i had to keep in mind okay i know i've gotten furnaces i've got some ways to disrupt his discard pile i need to i need to make sure i turn that combo off before he can really use it as payoff if he used it for key one honestly that would be fine if he used it for key two uh, i mean that's fine at least he spent it before key three right And I did end up disrupting the combo, making a choice with an Infernus to pull one of those pieces out, I believe it was, the Key Frog, just so there was no other shenanigans uh, going on. So that's the kind of situation where you really need to pay attention to what is going on in your opponent's discard pile. A few other examples, like I mentioned, Infernus, the the four-power creature introduced in House Dis in uh, Worlds Collide a while back that has play purge up to two cards from a discard pile, your opponent loses Amber equal to the total Amber bonuses on both cards combined. That's not the exact wording, but that's the effect. So if you have an Infernus or your opponent has Infernus, you need to be aware of what's in your discard pile when it's in your discard pile and the same thing over on your opponent's side because maybe you do need to make sure you're using the Amber Loss effect and maybe you're the only one with pips so you've got to track what pips are in your discard pile and know when that's available to you. You've got to know what you might want to hit from your opponent because they might have key cards that you want to go ahead and purge out of their discard pile so they don't get to recur them or see them again. So as soon as there are any effects interacting with discard piles, all of a sudden you've really got to track what's going on in that discard pile the classic card mimicry which copies a card uh which is an untamed action card which comes in as a copy of a card in your opponent's discard pile there's nepenthe seed which is the omni return a card from your discard pile to your hand there's all sorts of things and we're only going to get we're only going to get way more of these in grim reminders coming out in a number of months and so wrapping your brain around what it takes to be tracking what's going on in your discard pile is gonna be really important to maximize how well you can be playing a game of Keyforge and managing the vast amount of information that's going to be in front of you. So that is really the summary of why the discard pile is a critical source of information and a critical source of strategic choices as soon as card mechanics introduce the need, uh, introduce interactions into the game state where you start to need to pay attention to that. A few other notes here, uh, so we mentioned creature counting right so you can try to keep track of where their creatures are if you're worried about a uh, you know if you're worried about uh, the the board getting overrun by their by their creatures um, where their houses are where if they've gotten through most of one house you know they're just going to be in the other two houses and then you use that information as you will maybe you have control effects that play off of that maybe you don't maybe you make a choice to go ahead and get a couple uh, get a couple creatures out from your hand onto the board if you know they have their creature heavy house left things like that there's a whole lot of use cases and and for figuring out how to best use this information so it's tough to go through all of them but it's more of a general principle where if you pay attention to this kind of thing in more games you'll start finding smart choices small smart choices that you can make that start to add up the the more you make them especially uh, the more you make them in a single game and they start to be able to push an advantage that hopefully many times will push you from loss into a victory instead. Uh, there's a couple greatest hits for why this is important, right? Why the discard pile is important. There's arise the old discard that returns all creatures of a house from your discard pile to your hand. There is grim reminder, the uncommon disaction card from mass mutation, which returns, uh, which puts all cards of a single house from your discard pile into your archives, so it's just, it's a good thing to note, it's a good thing to know, it's a good thing to strategically consider, especially against those types of effects, right, you don't want to unnecessarily turn on some discard pile payoff effects that your opponent might be looking for, now sometimes you turn it on knowingly because, you know, you need to be pushing your advantage, but sometimes you can go ahead and refrain from uh, turning it on to be if that is not as much of a cost to you okay now we're going to be talking about when uh, managing flipping to draw what i what i mean by this is there is the rule in Keyforge that if your deck is empty you if you need to draw you turn your discard pile over and shuffle it (laughs) vegas you turn your discard pile over and shuffle it and you turn it into your deck and then you draw and this is a relatively simple mechanic that keeps the pace of Keyforge games going, but there is an awful lot of that handcrafting, next level handcrafting math, really in deck crafting math when it's your discard pile that really starts to matter here. First off, when you go to draw that card, you need to flip. Uh, I'm stating the obvious here, but you'll see where I'm going with this in a second, right? Your discard pile turns into your deck, so the contents of your discard pile turn into your deck, which means you have perfect knowledge and sometimes some control over exactly what's in your discard pile when it flips, mostly if you have a draw effect you can activate during your turn. In Winds of Exchange, you might have the Prospector token, right? Or if the Equigi Outpost Prospector has destroyed, you know, draw a card, Just that token creature. Equiji Outpost puts a creature on the bottom of your deck and then you draw three. And maybe there's so few cards in your deck that will help you flip. So just know that when you flip, when you flip, you might be in a situation where you really need to redraw a certain card for next turn or you need to redraw a card that's in this house, that's in the house you're already in if you are are, uh, flipping to draw during your turn. And so if you have a chance to not blow up some creatures on your board to send them to the discard pile that you don't want, or you can wait to play some action cards that are not what you want to see again, then you wait, you use that draw effect, and then you play your other stuff, sending it to the discard pile anew. And it's the same kind of thing. Say we're in Equidon, and say you have, and let's say you have a card that you want your best chance at seeing again. Let's say you're in Equidon, you've got a Generous Offer. Let's say Generous Offer, the action card that says play, destroy a friendly creature. If you do, steal two amber. Maybe you know that this is the only amber control in your deck Uh, that will this is the only amber control in your deck that will that will get your opponent off of check let's say you've played it right to get them down to let's say six and you know that the only possible way to get more amber controls to play this card it gets them down to six and then to activate your flip to draw by blowing up a prospector or something like that and maybe maybe redrawing that card you just played so really you want to think about when it's important and you need to identify when this is important because sometimes it's not as important but when is it important to craft the contents of your discard pile when you have agency over when you're going to flip to draw because you can do the math on exactly what the chances are or at least you know close enough for mid-match you can do the math on what the chances are of drawing a particular card a particular kind of card a particular house so pay attention to that. That is often a place that you might not have thought of before. That will be a way you could push yourself closer to victory, get that smaller chance of victory uh, pushing yourself closer to it as as you finagle these very subtle keyforge systems that might not be obvious at first glance. So one of the other reasons to watch watch when you make this flip especially in more and maybe decks that don't even draw uh, don't even have draw abilities you can trigger during the turn to try to flip it is when your opponent has abilities that might affect your discard pile in an adverse way I've already mentioned a few of these cards. The old classic, the old classic is Infernus, right? It purges up to two of your cards and you lose Amber uh, You lose amber equal to the total Amber bonus icon. So maybe you have Amber control or something with a lot of pips and you can get that discard pile flipped over, uh, flipped over before the Infernus has been played. Maybe there is a mimicry on the opponent's side of the table, right? The untamed card that copies one of your action cards. And if you're able to manipulate it, in a way where you can get that flipped before your opponent can can you know do that terrible thing to your discard pile or copy a card or whatever. It sometimes is a good idea to do that. Now this is where you have to do the opportunity cost where you look you say okay, um, I could actually go ahead and play this house which gets me enough draw or gets me through enough cards in my hand that either during this turn or the end of the turn I draw enough to to actually go ahead and flip my deck because I want to get the deck flipped this turn but maybe maybe strategically there's another aggressive play in a different house that doesn't have the the deck flip if you go with that house. So what you need to do here is weigh the opportunity costs, which is so much of what we're doing in keyword strategically, right? Weigh the opportunity cost. You say, do I make my aggressive play here? With a smaller house where I don't flip, and their threat is still perhaps online with Infernus or Mimicry, and can I take that on the nose and still be okay, or is that just overall the best play, or can I take this turn where I'm drawing cards to get that flipped to turn off their threats and you need to weigh the opportunity costs and try not to be overly cautious but if you can successfully be pushing yourself towards the victory condition while keeping them off of advancing that's often a good choice but again if you have a way to be aggressive and you can just uh, burst forward as hard as possible and just take whatever punishment they're going to throw at you on the nose sometimes that's what you've got to do sometimes that's what you've got to do Okay, so that is flipping to draw strategically considered, right? So keep an eye out on that. The contents when flipped will often matter so you know what you have a chance of drawing, and then timing against opponent's abilities and disruption. So lastly, we're going to talk about Haunted, the Haunted mechanic coming in Grim Reminders. So here's the thing, haunted is simply a binary on off game state, you are haunted if you have 10 or more cards in your discard pile. And so here's the thing: it is simply a, it's a simply a binary state. It's not very complicated, and many cards many cards coming and grim reminders. And I won't be spoiling anything specific here, so don't worry about that. Uh, but I'll be previewing some of generally what these cards want to do. Some cards have one effect if you're haunted, and a different effect if you're not haunted, and often both are to some degree valuable they have a lot of discarding from your hand a little discarding off the top of your deck they often do this to your opponent as well and so the kind the the dynamics with the board state when you want somebody to be haunted or you don't want to be haunted you're going to have to pay attention to all the sources of getting cards into the discard pile now often if you're getting a good thing for yourself being haunted you'll be able to figure this out pretty well right you can fight creatures off that then die uh, on your side of the board and go into the discard pile you are using the new discard bonus icon that's going to be present so that is going to be pretty self-explanatory and that mechanic will be relatively obvious in how to manipulate it because it's very baked into to what the set wants to do you want to be discarding cards from your hand right you want to be getting haunted to turn on these effects for the most part the biggest thing I'm going to say about haunted here that I think is going to be the more subtle thing is when you're playing against a deck that wants you to be haunted, but you want to hold off being haunted. So let's think about this a little bit. The the places, the places that you can give your opponent more of an opportunity to make you haunted are if you're playing creatures out, they can blow them up and those creatures go to your discard pile, right? Um, if you're taking if you're taking big turns and if you're taking big turns that put a lot of stuff into your, into your discard pile, right? You're turning on, you're turning on that haunted mechanic. And so you're going to want to keep an eye out for what places in the game. Can you perhaps slow them down getting stuff into your discard pile? Now, that being said, I actually, now that being said, I do think that's a consideration you're going to have to make at certain points with some cards. however, however, I actually don't think it's going to be very common that you put much effort to stopping yourself being haunted because the more cards that are going into your discard pile, that means the more actions you're playing, the more creatures you're playing at to try to advance your game state. And I don't think it's going to be worth avoiding being haunted to not play a whole bunch of cards. Right, I think you're just going to have to take it on the nose as these effects turn on and House Geistoid or other houses that want the opponent, you, to be haunted, and I think you're just going to have to take that on the nose and manage that. Now, if they continually discard cards from the top of your deck and that sort of thing... Of course, you're going to be closer to what we talked about earlier, flipping your discard pile. That's something you'll really want to pay attention to against Grim Reminders. Sometimes, once in a blue moon, so not very often, you may be able to resist being haunted and and play around it. But I think most of the times, you'll just have to take it on the nose and figure out uh, when you might be flipping that deck, removing your discard pile right, it turns into your deck, and all of a sudden, you are no longer haunted. So you're going to want to keep that in mind, and I do think you're going to have to take it on the chin sometimes. I know I used to suffer from a lot of like I must control, I must control the situation, but I would never, uh, I would never figure out when it was exactly effective to do so, and I would end up just trying to control my opponent or avoid their bad things, and then I would end up losing because I never really advanced to my own game state. So don't get stuck, uh, don't get stuck trying to be not become haunted this way you may just need to become haunted and push your game plan forward as much as you can. So I'm very excited about the dynamics of haunted. I think it's much more graceful than the tide mechanic back in Dark Tidings was and I'm really looking forward to the kinds of the kinds of 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 binary or or two state abilities that have one effect when you're haunted, one effect when you're not haunted because I think they are a, a bit more balanced. It's not simply Uh, It's not always just it gets more powerful if your opponent's haunted, although that sometimes it's a lot of these abilities are simply two different abilities if you or your opponent are haunted or not haunted. So that is this ep- That is it for this episode of Keyforge Public Radio, all about the discard pile and why it matters to your game. And it already matters in a bunch of matchups, and guess what? It's going to matter even more as you make lots of complicated, amazing, fun choices with the abilities in Grim Reminders. Again, I've been Zach Armstrong. We are here to help you be a better Keyforge player, or even better than me, really is the dream remember that keyforgepublicradio.com is where you can find episodes including i have archived the old hobby drama posts by friend of the show soho jin who i interviewed back when i ran call of discovery for three years alongside ed pocock soho jin wrote many articles about the the messier and darker side of keyforge but in ways that were both entertaining, throw, even-handed, and in ways that actually really sold people on Keyforge, even though he was highlighting some of the game's roughest moments. Those blogs are going up over on keyforgepublicradio.com as an archive so that they are in a Keyforge-centric place, as well as the old Reddit posts as well, doing that with his permission. So thank you so much. So Ho Jin, we appreciate that. And uh, every once in a while, I am throwing some fun new designs into the Sh- KeyForge Public Radio merch shop. So go check that out. I know Sydney Steele of of uh, Help from Future Self was rocking uh, the Golden Resource shirt at a Vault tour earlier this year, which is quite an honor. So thank you all so much. Remember to follow on your podcast platform if you're not already. And thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Uh, We could not do this without you. And we really appreciate our Airwave Advocate-level listeners like Paul Roadrunner. And remember, like your radio dial, may our KeyForge skills always be well-tuned. Visit keyforgepublicradio.com to find all of our episodes, transcripts, blog posts, the KPR store, and more. Keyforge Public Radio is made possible with support from listeners just like you, who believe in this game and this show. When you join the Patreon, you receive access to votes on content, sneak peeks, early knowledge of interviews, access to the Discord, and other benefits. So come on down, I'd be honored if you joined us. Follow KPR on any social media platform you frequent, just search for Keyforge Public Radio, and we're probably there. This show is produced by Rooster High Productions, which is me. And remember, dear listener, the most important part of Keyforge is the person across the table.